What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Calling number. He's going away later this year. What? But I knew that already. He's going away later this year. Hello, anybody. Hi, David Wisdom. Hi, Jackie. We got a, a couple, like two minutes. Welcome. Um, just going to put the call in number up if I can get it. Hold on a moment. Oh, I'm sitting in front of the fan, and so now my nose is all running. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me just get the telephone number. That would be a good thing. Hello, David Wisdom. You're new. Can you hear me? Put a one in the chat if you can hear me. I know... Um, Jackie, you are in Morocco right now, so I know you might be, the internet is a little slow. You might not be able to hear me completely. Hi. Hello, Wood Price. Welcome. We have two new people here tonight joining us. My name is Sydney. Welcome. You just found out how to do it. Oh, <laughs> okay. I can understand that. Okay. I'm going to put the telephone number in. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the Indigo Room. Sorry, I'm getting a little. Uh, it was a little, a little, a little late today. Even though I work from home today, I was a little late still. That's probably why I'm late because you know I thought I had more time. <laughs> well, um, oh, it's nine o'clock. We have to do our sage. So, um, for those of you that are new. Welcome to the Indigo Room. This is where we discuss all things spiritual. And by that, I mean that we are non-physical spiritual beings having physical human experiences. Life is supposed to be good. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be delicious, even when it's wiki-wacky. And we, we say wiki-wacky around here because we don't like to use the word negative. <laughs> try to keep it, you know, try to keep it a little bit light. So thank you for joining us. And uh, hi, Barb. Barb is in the house. So, um, (laughs) 
And um, with tonight, we're discussing the resurrection, which is, well, it's not the resurrection, it's called Resurrection by Neville Goddard. And we're talking about manifesting secrets in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I know me, when I first heard about Neville, I'm gonna light some sage, because we burn sage around here, kind of calms us all down. When I first heard about Neville, and um, I knew that he was a mystic, and I found out who he was in 2009, and I started reading his material, my mind was blown, blown, like, what? And he started talking about um, different things in the Bible, and how the Bible is allegory, and how it is made up of stories to help us ooh, create the reality that we want to have. So what we do in the Indigo Room is discuss each week, every other week actually, the resurrection, the book Resurrection by Neville Goddard. And in between that, we also go over the I Am Discourses. So we go back and forth. So we're doing two books at a time. <laughs> we're discussing two books at one time but they kind of go together in, in, in our opinion here at the Indigo Room. So here's some sage for everyone. I hope you can feel it. I got the fan blowing, so it might be blowing back on me. <laughs> here you go. Woo. You all need a little sage. Kind of relaxes us, calms the room down. So I hope everybody had a great week. I know I had a great week. You know I am leaving. Um, my, my job at the Met and, uh, you know, manifesting and creating a whole new reality for myself. And um, I'm really, really enthused about it. I am looking forward to it. And um, I'm very happy about this change that's coming. And we were here Sunday. So some of you missed the, the live on Sunday and every Sunday, um, Ward and David, we um, come together on Sunday mornings. If you want to join us, you can still do that. Um, we want to ask you all right now while you're here to like, thumbs up, thumbs up the video. Because what that does is it allows you to, it allows YouTube to send out these notifications to people, but it also will help you to get more content of this type of content. So if you like this video, then the algorithm will show you more content, not just from me, but from other, you know, content creators that are doing this type of work. So if you want to get that in, you want to see it, you want to hear about it, hit the like button while you're here. Okay. So we tickle our amygdala here at the Indigo Room. Let's see what's going on in the chat. Nothing. Awesome. <laughs> I hope, like I said, I hope everybody had a great week. Oh, let me put the telephone number in so you can call in because tonight's chapter is really short. So if you guys want to call in and um, share your thoughts or comments, you can do that. I didn't put the, the number in last week. I forgot. And nobody reminded me. So here it is, 855-9898. But we will be using that. I'll tell you once you can call in so you can write it down now. And I put it in there so I won't forget later. 
but I'll let you know when it when it's calling time. So what we're gonna do? What we're we gonna do? We're gonna tickle our amygdala. And why do we tickle our amygdala? Because it helps us calm down, just like the sage. But it also opens up our frontal lobe, and the amygdala is right above your temples, right here on the right side and the left side. And when your amygdala is closed, you are not able. You're in a, a, a fright or fright of flight um, mode. Oh, Linda popped in. Hey, Linda. I can't hear you. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, Linda. Linda's in the house. Finally back from Oregon. Yay! Welcome back, Linda. No, I'm not back. I'm not back from Oregon. Oh, you're not? I'm not going to be back from Oregon until after the 4th of July. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah. Linda's joining us from Oregon, everyone. <laughs> I'm a little jelly, just saying. Just a little. Well, you got to come visit when I'm I am. I know. I have to come visit. I'm just a little jelly. <laughs> so um, we're going to tickle our amygdala. And then we're going to get into the reading. And I want you this for Ward and David, who are new. This exercise helps you to visualize. It helps you to flex your imagination muscle. And we do this every week because it also, like I said before, you know, Linda popped in, is it opens up your frontal lobe. And then we have the two amygdala on the left side and the right side of your temple. And when they're closed, you're in flight or fright, fright or flight mode. And when they're open, it lights up your frontal lobe and it helps to helps your brain. It's like a brain hack. So you can use this little technique any time of the day, any place you're at, wherever you may be. Could be at work, getting all stressed out. You're trying to think of what to say in an email or a letter or correspondence or you know, people are getting on your nerves because sometimes they do. <laughs> you can use your feather and use this little technique and it, it really will help you smile, even if you're having the wickiest, wackiest day. So everyone grab your feather. If you don't know where it is, go find it. And, oh, you know what? I found a feather the other day walking, walking um, in the mat. It's gorgeous kind of black and um, it's not really black, but it's it's like black and I can't even explain it. I have to find it and I'll show it to you. But imagine you have a feather in your hand, close your eyes and imagine what color your feather is. Mine is purple, gold and white. And then you're going to rub the sides of your feather. Imagine the bristles. What does your feather feel like in your hand? What does it feel like? Does it feel soft? Is it stiff? Is it malleable? And then you're gonna raise your feather up to the center of your forehead, forehead. And then you're gonna slide the feather over to the right and tickle your amygdala on the right. And then you're gonna slide the feather over to the left and tickle the amygdala on the left. And then pull your feather out. Hopefully you're smiling by the time that's done. It always makes me smile. How about you, Linda? Yep, always makes me smile. <laughs> oh, 
always makes me smile. Okay, so tonight, 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 we are talking about the secrets, manifesting secrets of the Bible. So this is part one. And we're talking about in part one, the name of God. And I put up on the board, I don't know if you guys can see it. Let me see if I move my head, move my big head out of the way. And uh, let me see which way am I going? Because I got two windows open. I can't see which way I'm going. All right, so if I move over this way, then you can see it. Yep, yep, yep. And we're talking about the name of God, which is Jehovah. And we're going to be discussing the Hebrew spelling and the Hebrew letters and what they mean and how this, how this name actually, Jehovah, and I can never pronounce it in Hebrew, so it's Jod He Bauhi, Jod He Bauhe, Jod He Bauhe, I think that's how you say it, um, or Yahweh, how this was incorrectly, I would say, in our Western world, translated or the meaning was changed or what what the meaning is about. So we're going to read um, chapter 13. If you don't have the book Resurrection, you can purchase the book through Amazon. The links are in the description below. Um, this is what the book looks like. It's by Neville Gardner. Hey, David and, and Ward, have you, do you, are you familiar with Neville Gardner at all? If you're still here in the chat. Are you familiar with Neville? Because one of the things about Neville Goddard is he breaks down um, a lot of what's written in the Bible and gives us um, a totally different, totally different meanings of what we here in the Western world would assume to be true. Okay, maybe they left the chat. I don't know. I did not say anything, but all right. So um, if you've never heard of Neville Goddard, you should check him out. He's a Christian mystic. Hi, Sharon. And um, like I said, when I started reading him in 2009, my mind was blown because I've read the Bible backwards and forwards. I can't even tell you how many times I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. My parents, my mom was a, a, a Pentecostal. My, my, my whole family are ministers. My dad was a minister. And so I was raised, you know, around the Bible. And then they kicked me out, of course. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> but... Um, then I reread the Bible again, you know, after they kicked me out and I started reading it, reading it, reading it, you know, and I became a born again Christian and, um, you know, that didn't work out. And then I became, uh, I started reading Hebrew and studying Hebrew and studying the Quran and, you know, because I just wanted to get it right. You know, I just wanted somebody to tell me what to do. And then, and then I found Neville. What? 
So Neville is amazing. So if you have your book, grab it. We're on page uh, 72, chapter 13. And I'll be doing the reading tonight because Linda's in Oregon. She's just going to be in the chat and chatting and talking. She's going to be chatting and talking tonight. It cannot be stated too often that the consciousness is the one and only reality. For this is the truth that sets man free. Oh, woman. This is the foundation upon which the whole structure of biblical literature rests. The stories of the Bible are all mystical revelations written in Eastern symbolism, which reveals to the intuitive the secret of creation and the formula of escape. The Bible is man's attempt to express in words the cause and manner of creation. Man discovered that his consciousness was the cause or creator of his world. So he proceeded to tell the story of creation in a series of symbolical stories known to us today as the Bible. So I guess like if you think about it, there's a lot of old texts right and if we were to find them i don't know like you know a millennia from now when we were still on the planet and we found them a millennia from now we might we might view them as sacred texts we might even view them we might i don't know depends you know um you might even view mathem mathematical books as sacred texts so right now, today, in this present moment, that's what we view the Bible as, sacred texts. Um, there are other books, the Quran, Bhagavad Gita, I can never say that right, um, uh, the Torah, you know, so these books are sacred texts. To understand this greatest of books, you need a little intelligence and much intuition. Intuition, intelligence enough to enable you to read the book and intuition enough to interpret and understand what you read. You may ask why the Bible was written symbolically. I asked that question. Hi, Wanda. Yay, Wanda's in the house. Sharon's in the house, Bob's in the house. We got a full, we got a nice little crowd tonight. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Remember to hit the like button, don't forget. Um, we may ask why the Bible was written symbolically. Why was it not written in a clear, simple style so that all who read it might understand it? I know I asked that question like 100,000 times. How come I don't understand? Why couldn't they just write it so that we could understand it? Especially the King James Version. That used to send me over the edge, right? With all the V's and the thou's and this, that. What? I could it was, it was rough, but I did it. To those questioning, I reply that all men speak symbolically to that part of the world which differs from their own. The language of the West is clear to us of the West, but it is symbolic to the East and vice versa. I used to teach English as a second language. And one of the, the the topics that I would discuss is idioms. I gotta turn this fan off because it's making my eyes water. Hey, hold on a second. Let me just turn this fan off. It's driving me nuts now. 
my eyes water, my nose is running. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that I used to teach was English as a second language. And I taught, one of the main classes that I taught was idioms. Idioms. And the majority of my students were from uh, Egypt, Asia, um, Saudi Arabia, and uh, some from Europe, but the majority of them were from the East. I guess that's what you call it, right? East, because we're the West? Middle East. Middle East, right. So the majority of them were from the Middle East. I had some from Europe, and um, I used to teach idioms. And I have to tell you, that class was one of their favorite classes because the things that we um, say, they look at us like, like I'm crazy. Because so I had a book of idioms that I would teach, you know, teach from. And there are just some idioms that just don't make sense to them at all. And there are some idioms that they have in their country, in their language, that didn't make sense to me. So um, like one, we say break a leg to somebody who's getting ready to go on stage, for instance. They were like, why would you, why would you say that? <laughs> why, would you, why would you talk like that? So I would have to like explain to them a lot of the terms that we use here, you know, especially because they're coming from a totally different country, a totally different language. And I would have to explain to them what the idioms meant and, um, you know, and try to do it symbolically, right? Try to explain to them what our idioms mean symbolically. And that is what Neville is talking about when he's talking about how the Bible was written. Does that make sense? David says, no, I don't have the resurrection book. Okay. You fell behind in the live video. Okay, David, well, welcome back. <laughs> Somehow you cut the video back, but now I'm rolling. All right, good. Welcome back. <laughs> so that is what Neville is talking about when he's talking about symbolically. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope. Did, that, did I make that clear? Because it didn't make sense to me why the Bible was written the way it was written when I first started reading, you know, trying to understand it and comprehend it. But Neville gives us a really great way to understand why it was written that way. Okay, so the language of the West is clear to us of the West. That's what I was just trying to explain to you because it's clear to us. It wasn't clear to my students, but it is, it is symbolic to the East and vice versa. An example of this can be found in the Easterners instruction, if thine, hand, if thine hand offend thee, cut it off. He speaks of the hand, not as the hand of the body, but as any form of expression. Thereby, he warns you to turn from that expression in your world, which is offensive to you. At the same time, the man of the West would unintentionally mislead the man of the East by saying, this bank is on the rocks. Now, we all know what that would mean, right? Because we, we would know that 
if somebody said this bank is on the rocks, what would you think that the what would you think is happening to the bank? Linda. It's going under. Right. It's going under. But to somebody who says that, um, so the bank on the sorry, the bank is on the rocks for the expression on the rocks to the Westerner is equivalent to bankruptcy, while a rock to an Easterner is a symbol of faith and security. Big difference. So if we say the bank is bank is the bank is on the rocks to someone who's an Easterner, they would think that the bank is doing great. It's fabulous. Yes, it's on security. And we've been trying to tell them, no, 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 just not doing good. It's no falling down. You'd have to do all kinds of symbols. You'd have to explain all kinds of ways that the bank is not doing well. So that is why there's a big disconnect when we read the Bible in the West, because it wasn't written by us. It was written symbolically in the East. David Wisdom, how amazing. I met you at my workplace. I also met Linda at my workplace here in St. Louis. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> you met me and you met Linda. Really? Linda, you know David Wisdom. He might he probably met maybe he met you. Oh yes, David. Oh yes. He he drove the um the red car shuttle um from the airport for me to pick up my car. And oh, I gave him I gave I gave him the indigo room. Oh David, welcome. Yay! He's really cool. I like him a lot. Oh, I well, still like him a lot. Yes. Yay! Glad you could join us. David, can you hear Linda okay? Oh, he probably can't. <clears throat> he said, Linda, you gave me your card and you recorded your right. name and my phone recorder. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so he can, I think he can hear you okay. Okay. That is awesome. Because I was like, wait a minute, you met me. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, William, St. Louis. <laughs> um, so I would liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat down the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That's what somebody would liken this. Um, when you say that uh, the the Easterner would say that he would be believing that the security of the bank was founded on a rock. To really understand the message of the Bible, you must bear in mind that it was written by the Eastern mind, and therefore, it cannot be taken literally by those of the West. 
biologically, there is no difference between the East and the West, right? There's no difference. We're all people. We have blood. We all live, we breathe, we eat, we have families, we have children, we die, right? But love and hate are the same, hunger and thirst are the same, ambition and desire are the same, but the technique of expression is vastly different. The first thing you must discover if you would unlock the secret of the Bible is the meaning of the symbolic name of the creator, which is known to all as Jehovah. That's what I have up on the board, Jehovah. The name of God is Jehovah. So everybody knows that name, whether you're in the East or the West. Um, this word, Jehovah, is composed of the four Hebrew letters. Jod, J-O-D, He, or He, H-E, Val, V-A-U and hey, H-E. The whole secret of creation is concealed within this name. The first letter, now this is a letter, this is a Hebrew letter, this is the first letter, J-O-D. J-O-D is, um, represents the absolute state or consciousness unconditioned. Now remember we talked about uncon um, unconditioned consciousness, right? So the consciousness of God became us, and when it's uh, when it's when it when it becomes us, we condition that energy. We condition the consciousness. So the unconditioned consciousness is the spirit of God, source, universe. Through us, it becomes conditioned. So God in us, that energy in us becomes conditioned in our, through our mind, through our experiences, through our state of being. So Jod represents the absolute state of consciousness, unconditioned consciousness, the sense of undefined awareness, and that all-inclusiveness out of which all creation or conditioned states of consciousness come. In the terminology of today, J-O-D, Jod, 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 is I am. So I have it up here, Jod is I am. Or unconditioned consciousness. Remember when we say, when we say I am, anytime you say I am and what you have after it, that's what you're calling yourself. And that's what you're calling your God self. So when you say I am broke, you're using God's name in vain as we talked about last week. Was it last week? Yeah, I think it was last week or the week before. Are you using God's name in vain? So whenever you put after I am, whatever you're saying after I am, you either are that or you're getting ready to become that. So if you're saying I am broke, this is the reason why you continue to stay broke. Talking about money. You say I am sick. I am stupid. I am fat. I am unworthy. Whatever you're putting after I am, you become. And then you're using God's name, I am, that I am, in vain. So J-O-D is I am. Does that make sense so far to everyone? Cleopatra is losing her mind in there, but she has to stay in there tonight. That's it. 
The second letter, H-E, K, represents the only begotten son. So now if you ever read the Bible, right? And it talks about, um, you know, God sent his only begotten son. This would be that. This is what we're talking about. Your only begotten son. It's not, it's not, what, it's not what we thought. Okay, cool. Yay. I'm glad that makes sense to you, Sharon. I hope it makes sense to everybody else. Um, it's not what we thought. So the second letter represents the only begotten son. That's H-E. It also represents a desire. God sent his only begotten desire. Think about that. God sent his only begotten imaginary state because it represents an imaginary state. It symbolizes an idea, a defined subjective state, or a clarified mental picture. So remember when I talk about when I talk about um, desire is a gift from God. Think about that. God sent his only begotten son. God sent the desire to you. If you just if you just change it a little bit and think about that for a minute, because the the way it was written in the East is not the way we have interpreted it to be in the West. God, I am, and this is the clarified picture, the clarified mental state sends you an idea, sends you his only begotten son, sends you the desire. Just think about that for a minute. If you can think about if that, if just think about that. I thought that was just like, what? Wait, what? So the sun, it symbolizes an idea, a defined subjective state or a clarified mental picture. So when Neville's telling us to go into our imagination, he ain't joking, right? He ain't kidding. He's telling us that for a reason. The third letter, V-A-U, vow, vow. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either. The third letter is V-A-U. That's a letter. Symbolizes the act of unifying or joining the conceiver, which is J-O-D. The conceiver is I am. The conceiver would be you. The um, consciousness, that's you. Joining the conceiver and the consciousness desiring to the conception, which is the state desired, so that the conceiver and the conception, I am, and the idea, the state, the imaginary state, the image, become one. That's what this means, V-A-U-H. So I am and the desire become one. I'm just trying to break it down a little bit so maybe it makes more sense. Because the first time I read it, it was very confusing to me. I didn't understand what the heck he was talking about, to be truthful. All right? I was like, what, Neville? What? Third time, it got a little bit clearer. 
Not really, but it got a little bit clearer. Fourth, fifth, and sixth time, I was like, oh, wait. Today, because we are rereading, you know, everything Neville, we're doing this over again. Um, David, we started this in 2007, this show, just so you know. And we are coming back to some of the things that we used to do. So rereading this again, you know, this year, it hit me in a different way. It may be hitting you in a different way. But now when we talk about I am, right? I am the God within you. God sends his only begotten son, the desire, the state, the idea, the conception, the, the visualiza- visualization. When the two become one, when two or more are gathered in my name, just think about that phrase. When two or more are gathered in my name, it is done. So thou represents I am plus desire becoming one, comes one. Hey, Funke double zero. Yay. Delisha's in the house. Okay, so now I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and it's making it's it's getting clear. Does that make sense? This is all in the Bible, just by just by just just so you know. Like he didn't make this up. It's all in there. You can do it yourself. You could look it up. Remember, I told you to get the metaphysical dictionary. The link is in the description below too for that. Metaphysical Bible dictionary. It's very, very good to read. It's very handy to have. It's a heavy book. And there is the um, uh, the paperback is also listed in the description below. Um, okay. So it symbolizes, where am I? The third letter is, symbolizes the act of unifying or joining the conceiver the consciousness desiring to the conception, the state desired so that the conceiver and the conception become one or the conceiver and the idea become one. Fixing a mental state, consciously defining yourself as the state desired. You're talking about imaginary state. Defining yourself as the state desired, assuming that it's true, right? You go into your imagination and you assume that it's already done. You assume that it's true. Impressing upon yourself the fact that you, you, me, us, that you are now that which you imagined or conceived as your objective. So if you are wanting to be, I don't know, a writer, let's say, let's take that for example. And you go into your imagination and you go to the end and you see yourself signing books at a book signing. You, that's the, that's the desired state. I am, you and the desired state become one in here, in your imagination. That's what you're doing. Does that make sense? Okay, Wanda, no problem. You could always watch the replay in and out at work, (laughs) doing the photographies. So fixing a mental state, consciously defining yourself as the state desired, 
impressing upon yourself the fact that you are now that which you imagined or conceived to be, or as your objective, in the function of vow, V-A-U, it nails or joins the consciousness desiring the thing to be desired. So what this does, what this, what this does in the name of Jehovah, you're calling on the name of Jehovah, this is what you're doing. What this does is nail these things together, binds them together. This letter binds these two. So when you are doing this in your imagination, you are binding the I am with the idea, the state, the desire in your imagination. That's what you're doing. The, the cementing or joining process is accomplished subjectively by feeling the reality of that which is not yet objectified. So it's not in your space. You don't see it yet. It's not in your reality. You can't touch it on the outside. Like, you know, if I was imagining this phone case and I didn't have it, I would be, just like we did with the feather. We're imagining that we have the feather in our hand. I found the feather this week. So you're imagining that you have something in your imagination, but you have to give it all the tones of reality. You have to feel it. You have to believe it to be real. Everything that you imagine, everything that we have right now in our, our, in our reality was first imagined in the first place. How did it get here? Somebody imagined it. Somebody created it, and then it was brought out, however which way. So, and we don't really care about how, the what, the when, I mean, we care about the what, we don't care about the how, the when, the who, the, the where. So we care about the, the what and the why. Why do you want it? What is it? So this now, in your reality, in your imagination, has to take on the same tones of me holding this, this phone case. Has to be the same feeling. That is what you are doing in your imagination. You are taking on the tones of reality. This is in your Bible, our Bible. The one that, you know, some of us were raised on and beat to death with. <laughs> the fourth letter, which is H-E again, hey, represents the objectifying of this subjective agreement. So now, this represents the hey right here is the object in your reality. It's becoming real. That it's real, not becoming real. It is real. This is what this is what happens. This is what this is this is what this is what what it becomes. <clears throat> so the fourth letter rep represents the objectifying of this subjective agreement. So now what you did on the inside, subjectively, what you did on the inside is now manifesting on the outside. What you did on the inside is now manifesting on the out. That is the last um, letter, each, H-E. That's what that represents. The, the Jod He Vow makes man or the manifested world 
decay in the image and likeness of itself. Remember that? Let us create man in our own image. That's what we're doing. So when you say I am broke and you imagine brokenness, because you know when you're saying I'm broke, you know you feel broke, you think broke, you see broke, and then you get fearful, and then you imagine all the horrible things that are going to happen to you because of your brokenness. The reason why I could talk about it is because, you know, I've been there. So when you are now the man um, or woman creates in their world, because the I am God, hey, mental picture, binds itself together and then create it's created in our reality. That's deep. Oh, Ward, you're a writer. <laughs> so there was some that was a word for somebody. That was a word for you, Ward. So the um the image okay becomes the Jod Hey let me do this again because I can never, you know, I'm sorry. It's Hebrew. The Jod Hey vow makes man or the manifested world, hey, in the image and likeness of itself, the subjective conscious state. So the function of the final H-E, the final hey, is to objectively bear witness to the subjective state. Does that make sense? So when it, when, when, it objectifies in our reality, it is bearing witness to our subjective state. So if you look around in your experience right now, you will actually know what you were thinking. If you look around at all the things that you have and the experiences that you have and the, the life that you have right now, you will be able to tell what you were thinking. If you're thinking lackful thoughts, if you're thinking sick thoughts, if you're thinking hurtful thoughts, if you're thinking all of these things, I am all of these things. I am unworthy. I am fat. I am too skinny. I am too stupid. I'm I'm dumb. I, I'm um, you know, un, uh, I'm I'm sad. I'm 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 poor. I'm I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be anything. All of those. I can't do it. You can look around in your space, in your experience, and see how you actually created that. If we look at the word Jehovah and the Hebrew meaning of the word. <clears throat> so the function of the final hey is to objectively, objectively bear witness to the subjective state. Jod hey vow. Conditioned consciousness continually. That's us, conditioned. We're conditioned consciousness. I'm conditioned, you're conditioned, every Linda's conditioned, we're all conditioned. We're conditioned differently, but we're all conditioned. We're all, you know, made from the same clay, so to speak, but we're all conditioned differently. Conditioned consciousness continually objectifies itself on the screen of space. The world is the image and likeness of the subjective conscious state which created it. So we're all creators, manifestors. 
everything was already created. We just manifested and bringing it in. So you can't, you can't create something that, I mean, you can't manifest something that hasn't already been created. So if you can imagine it, best believe either if you're not going to create it, or if you're not going to manifest it, somebody else will. Have you ever had like a really, really great idea? And you were like, wow, you know, if I do this, if I just make this little widget, or if I just write this little book, or if I just write this sonnet, or sing this song, or do this thing. Wow, you know, so many people, I would bless so many people, or, you know, I would make a lot of money, or, you know, I would go to this school, whatever it is. You get this idea, right? And then, I don't know, maybe you tell somebody or you put it aside, you don't think about it anymore, or you say to yourself, well, I could never do that. That was your I am sending its only begotten son to you. Let me just say that, okay? We let it slip because we didn't let it, we didn't take the I am and join it with the desire, with the gift from God. We didn't join it together. So, all right, it didn't happen. But then did you ever look around and then you see somebody who actually did, who actually got the same idea? Because I believe that God sends ideas, like not the same ideas to everybody, but he sends like, you know, like these, or she, source, sends these ideas out. Somebody's gonna pick it up. Hopefully it would be you. But nine times out of 10, the majority of us don't. And we say, we tell ourselves, well, I can't do it. I'm not worthy. I don't have this. I don't have that. I can't be this. I can't be that. Oh, you know, forget it. It's never going to happen. Or somebody else talks us out of it because we went and told somebody. Cast our pearls before swine. Did you ever look around at some of the thoughts and ideas that you had about something? I don't know what it was. And then you look around and you go, oh, my God, you know what I just saw? happens it's happened to me so i'm sure it's happened to you i had that idea for that widget look at so and so he's a millionaire now i'm telling you it has happened to me so i'm sure and if it hasn't happened to you yet it might hopefully it won't <laughs> maybe you know somebody that's happened to so um, let me get back to the reading. We're almost done. So the, where was I? Okay. The world is the image and likeness of the subjective conscious state, which created it. The visible world of itself can do nothing. It can't do anything. That would should be able to alleviate some fears from us. The visible world of itself, like everything around us can do nothing. It only bears record of its creator. So this phone case is just bearing record of the person who created it. The little, the little um, stickers on my, on my phone case are bearing record of the person who created it. That's it. It can't do anything. It can't do nothing else. But it does bear the record of the person who created it. The subjective state, that person's subjective state is now manifested on this little, the sticker is now manifested on my phone case. My phone case is now manifested on my phone. My phone is in my hand and I get to use it to call 
and you guys can call and talk to me. It is the visible sun. S-O-N, not S-U-N. It is the visible sun. The H-E, the hey. Bearing witness of the invisible father, son, and mother. Jod, hey, vow. A holy trinity which can only be seen when made visible as man or a manifestation. That is so delicious to me when I first, when I finally understood it. When I first read it, I was like, wow, blew my mind. Then when I really, really let it sink in and understood it, it's like, wow, that is huge. That's what the, that's Jehovah. The three here become this in our reality. That's how we create. That secret is right in your Bible. Mine, everybody's Bible that has a Bible. Your unconditioned consciousness is your I am, Jod, J-O-D, which visualizes or images a desirable state, hey, H-E, and then becomes conscious of being the state imagined by feeling and believing itself to be the imagined state. So when we talk about feeling is the secret, imagining and feeling is the secret, that is really the secret. That's what nobody ever told us, to feel it real. Just like, you know, I imagined this job. I had to step out and say, I had to imagine it inside. I had to, what what the end result was. I didn't imagine the actual job. What I imagined was, I am leaving the mat, and I imagined myself with the boxes in my hands, just walking out the door. And then things started to show up. But I had to go in my imagination a little each time. I had to do it in my imagination because you know what? I had fear about leaving. Oh, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna leave my job. I'm gonna, can can I get another job? What's gonna happen? Blah blah blah. I just had to go into my imagination, and as a matter of fact, I did the um the two cut method on that. So remember, I told you guys that I would let you know when when the manifestation showed up from the two cup method. That is one of the things I did with the two cup method. So. Imagination, feeling it real, is what starts to become objectified in our reality. No matter what it is, good, bad, or indifferent, we are the creators of that. We are the creators of our experience. We are the creators of the, of the things that we have in our, in our experience and in our reality. The conscious union between you who desire and that which you desire to be is made possible through the vow, B-A-U, on the board, or your capacity to feel and believe. Believing is simply living in the feeling of actually being the state imagined. Believing is simply living in the feeling. I had to keep living in that feeling 
I remember when I used to say to my, and what I used to do, what I would do is say, I remember when I used to work at the Met. That was in my imagination as I, you know, as I was outside of the building. I remember when I used to work at the Metropolitan Opera. At the end, I'm in the end, I'm at the end. I'm imagining that I am saying that in my experience. Okay. Bob says, it is deep and you explain it so well. Whew, good. <laughs> Cause I was wondering, <laughs> when are you getting it? Yep. <laughs> okay. So the, uh, where was I? Believing is simply living in the feeling of actually being the state imagined by assuming the consciousness of being the state. The subjective state symbolized as Jad He Vau then objectifies itself as He. The, that's, 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 the, that's the last H-E. Thereby completing the mystery of the creator's name and nature. Jad he vow, Jehovah, Jehovah. Jad is to be aware. He, he is to be aware of something. Vow is to be aware as something or to be aware of being that which you were only aware of. The, set, the second hay is your visible objectified world, which is made in the image and likeness of this. Jad, hey, ma. So what is objectified outside in our reality is made in the image of the I am, the desired state, and then these two joined together is made in the image. This is, this is the image now. This is what is projected on the outside. So when we read that God created, like when, when we hear, let us create man in our image, you can definitely now look at it totally different. You can get a totally different feeling, a totally different understanding from that one phrase. And that was in the beginning. And God said, oh, well, here it is. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. <laughs> and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us, Jod, the father, hey, the son, Thou, the mother, the Trinity, the Holy, the, the Holy Trinity that everybody talks about, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. When two or more are gathered in my name, there's three right here. Three. That's the three. It is done. It is created. So let us, the three, make the objective manifestation, the hey in our image. I thought that was deep. The image of the subjective state. 
So everything, us, like I said, pen, lipstick, book, phone case, camera, computer, the stage, flowers, birds, the bees, was first created with the I am clarified mental picture, imagining it to be real, objectified state, solidified. So the world is the objectified likeness of the subjective consciousness or the conscious state in which the consciousness abides. This understanding that consciousness is the one and only reality. So now we can really understand that whole statement. Kind of makes more sense, I think. The, the um, understanding that consciousness is the one and only reality is the foundation of the Bible. The stories of the Bible are attempts to reveal in symbolic language the secret of creation, as well as to show man the one formula of escape from all of his own creations. This is the true meaning of the name of Jehovah, the name by which all things are made, without which there is nothing made that is made. First, you are aware then you become aware of something. Then you become aware that as that as that which you were aware of. Then you become aware as that which you were aware of. Then you behold objectively that which you are aware of being. So first you become aware, I am, I am, I know that I am. Like you could, you could literally have amnesia, but you still know that you are, right? You still, you still know that you may not know your name. You may not know your family. You may not know your relatives. You may not know this, your apartment. You may, nothing may recognize, be, be recognizable to you, but you still have some sort of awareness that you are, I am. I am still, you know, you're still going to be able to eat, drink. You may forget those things, even how to do that, but you still have some sort of awareness that you are. So the I am, first you are aware, then you become aware of something, the only begotten son, the idea, the state. Well, what about, what's that idea? What, what, you know, what's that desire? What, I'm aware of that. Might be just to eat. Maybe just have the desire to eat some food. To have a special delicious treat. Then you become aware of something. Then you become aware as that which you were aware of. So then you join these two in your, in your imagination. You become aware of that which you were aware of. I know that sounds kind of kind of convoluted, but you are aware, you're aware of something, then you become that in here. Become aware as that which you were aware of. And then you behold it objectify in your reality. So you become 
You behold objectively that which you were or that which you are aware of being. And that's the end of, that's the end of chapter 13. Hopefully that makes sense. Do I imagine the same thing every night, Ward asks. Well, it depends on um, what it is I'm, I'm, I'm working on creating. Um, if it is something that is really big for me or something that I've never done before and I've never had before, but I have the desire for it, then yes. I do. Until, until I get a click. And you'll know what that click is because you'll get this feeling of knowing that it's done. Like it, you'll just be calm, you'll be unbothered, and you'll be poised about it. You'll be like, yep, all right, I know that's coming. You'll just have this, you'll feel it in your gut when it happens. You won't have any angst about it. Um, I did that when I, um, many of my uh, Indigo roomies here remember when I first got my car, one of my cars. <laughs> when I first used the Neville technique, you know, imagining and assuming it real, what I did for several weeks was go into my imagination and I created a scenario of me getting in my car and driving to my friend's house. I didn't imagine how I was going to get the car, um, where I was gonna get the money from. I just imagined me being in a car, a new car. It wasn't like a brand new car because in my at that time when I was doing this, I couldn't even conceive of getting a, like a brand new car because that was just like, where was I going to get the money? Blah, blah, blah. I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to imagine myself getting in a car, a good running car. That was acceptable to me. You know, like, so if you, sometimes if you, if it's too big for you, you know, you may have to work on it a little bit. But at this time I could conceive of me getting a nice used car, you know, that was, that was, I was, I couldn't go beyond that. Like I couldn't even, ima I, I could imagine me driving a Ferrari, but I couldn't believe it. Like I, it just didn't, even though I, I, you know, I'm using a Ferrari as an example, I just couldn't conceive of it. But I could conceive of me driving a used car. And so every night for several weeks, you know, in that sleepy state that Neville talks about, Neville talks about getting right before you go to sleep to imagine, before you drift off to sleep and then, you know, you're, you're in la-la land. But in that in-between stage where you are still awake, but you're not quite, you just don't really want to move your body, but you can, you, you're kind of still awake, you can still hear, you know, in that drowsy state, that's the place to do it. So I would get into the drowsy state and I would imagine myself getting into the car and driving to my friend's house and walking up the steps. Actually, I didn't really drive to her house. Actually, what I imagined was getting out of the car. That's what it was. I imagined getting out of the car at her house, 
taking my keys out of the car, walking up the steps, and I would feel the actual steps, walking up the steps, and then I would open up her door, because she usually had the, she had a screen door. So I would open up the door and feel the whoosh. You know that whoosh that you feel when you pull the door open? So I imagine myself feeling that, and then knocking on her door, and then she would open the door. And I would say, look at my new car. And then the car showed up and I did exactly that. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and then, and then, and then she showed up recently in one of the um, shows and, you know, we joked about that. And I told her, I said, remember when I told you guys about the car? Well, that's the person, that's the friend. So, um, yeah. And it, you know, it took a while because I would drift off and I would get mad at myself too when I was doing doing my imagination stuff. You know, especially because you want to you want to do the same thing over and over until it feels real to you, and then it objectified itself in my in my reality. Did that help, Ward? Okay, what time is it? Where are we? Ten oh six. Does anybody want to call in? The number to call in is two oh one. Nine zero five. Oh, sorry, not nine zero five. Take that back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Two zero one eight five five nine eight nine eight. If anybody wants to call in, Linda, do you have anything you want to share about tonight? Um, I I remember we went we went over this chapter way back in the day. Yeah. And it's sort of stuck a little bit, but wow, it's like really stuck now. It's like, oh. Right? Yeah. But really, really, yeah. Because when we first did this, I mean, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, it, it hit, but it didn't hit like it's hitting now. I, I Like you exactly. just said, it was a big wow, right? Because when we first did it, I think it was in 2009, it might, or maybe, maybe 2011. Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I feel like I didn't quite understand it as like I do now. I, I, I mean, I understood it, but now it's like totally, it's a totally different level than, than it was then. Um, oh, good. Ward said, yes, thank you. I mean, if you need any, any, um, ideas you or you can call in if you want 201 we're getting ready to go but i mean not just the second but if you want to call in if anybody wants to call in you can do that it's 201-855-9898 um before we leave tonight and there's people that are hanging out in the bushes <laughs> come on down from hanging out in the bushes join us in the chat um uh wanda said yes it makes it makes sense it's helpful okay great great i'm glad does uh barb do you have any questions funky double zero sharon david um who else is here jackie i don't know if jackie's still here she's in morocco right now um joining us from morocco isn't that wonderful how delicious is that Okay, well, I Wanda says, I think it's because we've had more experience since then, so it's making a greater impact in terms of understanding. It may, 
I don't, maybe, oh, because we've had more experiences. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's true. That's true. That could be. But I don't know. The way that I read it this time, just hit me differently. Like this whole book has been hitting me differently the, uh, this, this time around, as well as the I Am Discourses. Just hit me in a totally different way. I am um, understanding some things that I didn't understand before. But that always happens to me with these types of books. That happens to me with the Bible. It happened to me with the Bible as well. The first time I read it, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Second time, Oh, I didn't see that. Was, was that there? I don't remember that being there. <laughs> what did God drop in some new words, some new terminology? Because I know I didn't read that before. And um, so it's just your understanding changes, I guess. You know, you read things differently. So maybe it could be with our experiences that we've had. We understand better. Not sure. But I do know that every time I read this, I read it. It's like like brand new. It's like brand new all over again. Um, Funky Double Zero says, no questions yet. I'm just taking it all in. Going to re-listen when we finish. Okay. Barb says, I think of the times I manifested before I knew all this. I would daydream or write in my journal how nice it would be if, and so many of those things manifested perfectly. Yeah, I agree. That is true. But, you know, you didn't know how they did it, you know, like, like why some things manifest and some things don't, which I'm glad. Don't get me wrong. I'm kind of glad <laughs> because some things that I'm imagining or have imagined, I would not want them to manifest that quickly or, you know, um, show up in my experience. I'm glad a lot of things haven't manifested. That's for sure. Bob says, now that I know all this, those past experiences are all making sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can know how you are. You can actually now know how you got where you are right now. That's how I feel. I'm like, so the other day I had a conversation with God because, you know, I talked to God like I talked to y'all. And I said, you know what? I'm not ready to go yet. Just wanted to let you know that because I just got the understanding. <laughs> I'm just really getting it now at the age that I am because, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. I'm not ready to go yet. So if you had plans on bringing me back home, I ain't ready to go. <laughs> Je Jehovah, I just got clarity. So, you know, I want to have some more fun. But that's what I said when... Um, uh, I died because I died, crossed over, died and came back. And one of the things they said to me was, do you want to go back? That was the question. And I said, yes, I have to see how the story ends. And then I woke up and I was very upset. I was really, really upset. I was like pissed, excuse me, but I was, I was ticked off. But, um, I do. I want to see how the story ends because I'm having fun. I'm having fun again. I'm enjoying this again. And I'm so happy that we are reading Resurrection again and that we are, you know, I'm back in, into my Bible. I'm back into the metaphysical dictionary. I'm back to listening to, um, to uh, reading 
you know, uh, Florence Scovel Shin and uh, Wallace Waddles and um, all of these wonderful, wonderful teachers and Reverend Ike, you know, I'm having fun. Say that again. What, Linda? And Reverend Ike. Yes, and Reverend Ike, honey. What? And Reverend Ike. Yes, yes, Reverend Ike. So um, Wanda says, got to get back to work. Have a re have and rest of the week. I will catch up with you guys on Sunday. Bye, Wanda. Have a great week. All right. So since nobody's calling in, I do want to thank you all for joining us. But remember to hit the like, thumbs up button. Do me that favor before you leave tonight. If you haven't gotten the Neville book or the I Am Discourses, do so, please. The links are in the descriptions below. Metaphysical Bible's down there. There's a couple of other things. There's all kinds of delicious things that we use here in the Indigo Room. You can get the sage. You can. I'm an Amazon affiliate. I have to say that. I'm an Amazon affiliate. I, don't, I do get a little bit of a stipend if you do purchase anything down there below. Um, but we will be back here on Sunday, this Sunday at 1130. And um, hopefully you'll be able to join us. But subscribe, share the video, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your side piece to come on over. <laughs> and help us create, you know, manifest new realities for everybody. And thank you, Ward. And uh, David, our new friends, for joining us here. Barb, Wanda, Funke, Delicia, Delicia, Sharon, Jackie, and Linda. Always Linda, Linda, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Um, so remember that Thank you, everyone. you are source energy right here in the physical body. Remember that you can be, do, and have anything that you desire. Yes, you can. I am Jehovah. Remember the word Jehovah. If you could just remember that word Jehovah and remember what we talked about tonight, I think it'll jog your memory. It'll jog something in you that's been latent and asleep. It'll wake it up. Um, but remember who you are. Remember that you are source energy right here in a physical body. Remember that you can be, do, and have anything you desire. And remember, it's not being extraordinary that makes you unique. It is your uniqueness that makes you extraordinary. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right here on YouTube. And we'll see you on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Enjoy the rest of your week. I love you. Bye. Thank you, Linda. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.